Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. I am delighted to welcome Dr. Temetayo Oyegbile Chidi today. She is one of the country's most respected physicians specializing in sleep disorders, particularly among children and young people. Welcome, Dr. Oyegbile Chidi. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here. So I know a little bit about you. I know a little about your background, and you're, you're going to fill in the blanks. You are an associate professor at University of California, Davis, and you've been on faculty at Georgetown University, and you are actively, actively involved in organizations seeking to improve and address and improve sleep health, correct? That's absolutely right. Yes. And if I remember, you've also taught at a university in Nigeria. Is that right? That's correct. I have an adjunct professorship there, yes. Okay. What is the university? It's University of Ibadan in uh, Nigeria, Ohio okay. State. Yeah. Thank you. Now, I know a little bit more about you. You are the chair of the board of directors for the National Sleep Foundation. You serve on the American Academy of Neurology's DEI committee. You've served on their science committee. You serve on the board of directors of the Epilepsy Foundation and of JAPIGO, which is an organization that has global impact. They offer access to medical care to women in developing nations. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. And you're a member of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, correct? That's correct. So sleep and neurology are your life. They're very important to you. That's correct. Why? <laughs> How the heck did you get interested in this field? And what in the world is a sleep disorder among a kid? So start with, <laughs> start with the why and then move to the why sleep medicine in kids particularly? Sure. So one thing we have to keep in mind when we think about sleep, we often think about it as a time when the whole body just shuts off. But that's actually not true. It turns out that when you're sleeping, a lot of really active things are going on. So there are lots of things going on in the brain, but also all over the body. And keep in mind that sleep actually comes from the brain we can't fall asleep unless our brain is intact and helping us to fall asleep and stay asleep. And so this is why, as a neurologist, I'm very interested in sleep. And also keep in mind that we sleep about a third of our lives, eight hours a night. Every 24 hours, we're sleeping about eight hours. So that's about a third of our lives. And so it's something that I think in the field of medicine, in the field of neurology, we've ignored over the years. But it's important to keep in mind that we need to find out what's going on, one th a third part of our lives, and make sure that we kind of fully understand um, w why it's important. Why do we do this? Why do we sleep? And so that's what my interest is, is specifically. And then when it comes to kids, we know that during, the, during the, that this developing period, it's a very active time. 
We want to understand what they're doing when they're sleeping. We know a lot of learning occurs, a lot of growing occurs during PDI or uh, sleep for kids. And so my interest is to really kind of understand it and make sure we optimize sleep in kids because we know it's so important for growth and development. And that's why that's my focus. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about your background. Where were you trained? Where did you do the deep training in sleep? Sure. So I uh, I went to University of Wisconsin for medical school, as well as undergrad and and my PhD in neuroscience. And then after that, I went to New York Presbyterian Hospital for uh, training in neurology, specifically pediatric neurology. And then I moved to uh, Chicago, Northwestern University. I trained under uh, Dr. Phyllis Z and Dr. Steve Sheldon. They're pioneers in the field of sleep medicine and um, Dr. Sheldon specifically in pediatric sleep medicine. And so that's where I trained in Chicago. And then eventually I went to Georgetown and now I'm in California. Okay. So this has been a longstanding learning for you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I developed my interest in sleep probably during medical school in Wisconsin. I think it was Dr. Ruth Benka. She's a pi- another pioneer in sleep. And she gave a lecture during medical school and just was telling us about how important sleep is and why it is we um, are beginning to really have a lot more interest in sleep and what really goes on during sleep. And I was just intrigued. I was just fascinated. And from then on, I just... I just knew I was going to do sleep medicine. I knew I was going to always have some hand in kind of understanding why sleep is important. Hmm, That's fascinating. Now, thank you for sharing that about the path that brought you to sleep medicine. I want to talk about sleep disorders in children. Until I met you, I didn't know that there were sleep disorders in children. So let's talk a little bit about that. What are the most common sleep disorders among kids? And and also, like, at what age do these things show up? Sure. So at because everyone sleeps and everyone re- is required to sleep, keep in mind, no matter what age you are, no matter um, what time in your life, sleep is a requirement. It's fundamental for life. If you don't sleep, you will not be able to survive. So we know sleep is so important. The key is to make sure that we're optimizing sleep at all stages of our lives, be it newborns, be it young uh, toddlers, be it uh, adolescents. And so the biggest thing that we do see in young kids, the biggest sleep problem we tend to see is insomnia. It's behavior insomnia is the biggest one. So a Wait, lot of kids what's behavior insomnia. Yes. Yeah, so so a lot of kids uh, behaviorally choose not to sleep. They can't. They want to be playing and doing all kinds of things instead of sleeping. And as I said, because sleeping is so important, we want to make sure that our ki- our kids are optimizing sleep. So depending on this on the on the stage of of um or age. 
Kids should be sleeping somewhere around 12 hours to 14 hours a night, depending on, you know, their age. Of course, adolescence is more like 10 to 11 hours of sleep a night. And oftentimes we'll see kids, you know, playing till, you know, 9 and 10 p.m. or past then, like, you know, midnight and 1. And they'll be waking up at 6 and 7 in the morning to go to school. The key is to make sure that our kids are the kids are optimizing um, their sleep by making sure they sleep at a decent time and wake up at a decent time. And behavioral insomnia is where you have kids avoiding sleep by doing things like, you know, asking for, you know, to watch a little bit more TV or stay on their iPads or stay on their iPhones or things like that to be able to not to not sleep. That's the biggest biggest one that we find. But the disorders that we really kind of worry about are things like sleep apnea. Um, other ones that we worry about are narcolepsy. Narcolepsy is one where you tend to sleep too much. Your body's not able to turn off wake when you're asleep or turn off wake when you are or turn off uh, sleep when you're awake. Um, th- those That's one that we tend to worry about a lot in young kids. Sleep apnea. Next to behavioral insomnia, which is just, you know, um, running around and refusing to go to sleep, the the one, the next one, most common one would be sleep apnea. And then narcolepsy. There's several other sleep disorders, restless legs and such, that we see in young kids as well as in adults. But uh, these are things that need to be optimized to make sure that our sleep is uh, the best it can be. And as I mentioned, during that developmental period when kids are growing and learning, we know that a lot of our learning, a lot of growing occurs during sleep. This is when we have our memory consolidation. This is when we have... um, Actually, I should I should say that uh, things like just even growth hormone, which is the hormone that that helps young kids get taller and, and develop and get and and and, um, and move from uh, different developmental stages, all of these occur specifically during sleep. Growth hormone almost exclusively gets produced only or uh, um, uh, yeah produced and and excreted only during deep sleep. So these are things that are so important, and I could go into the stages of sleep, REM sleep, and and such. Will you? Those are so important, absolutely. So one thing that we're learning is that when we are sleeping, there are many different stages of sleep, and each stage of sleep is so important for life, for development, for growth. So, for example, when you think about sleep, I, I always describe it, you know, I work with kids a lot, so I describe sleep as Think about it as a submarine going deeper and deeper underwater. That's what we think about when we say, when we think about sleep. So the submarine, when it's above water, that's wakefulness. And then as it goes deeper and deeper underwater, that's sleep. And keep in mind, as you fall asleep, you go deeper and deeper and deeper. But keep in mind, you got to go through stage one, which is the most shallow part of, of, say, the water or sleep. Stage two and stage three, which is the deepest, you go deep into sleep, and 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 the deeper you are in sleep, the longer you stay in that deep sleep, the more of that restorative uh, um, uh, uh, metabolism occurs. This is where all the processes in your brain begin to you get rid of all those toxins you clear up the brain you prepare it for the for daytime um, during this time you also as I had mentioned a lot of um, hormones are excreted during this time a lot of um, restorative um, processes are occurring 
changes in metabolism to just prepare the body and to get your body fully rested and ready for the next day. All of that occurs during that deep sleep. Later on, about 90 minutes after you fall asleep, you'll start to have a lot of REM sleep. And the REM periods of sleep occur more and more towards the morning, which is why we need all our sleep. We can't just have the beginning of the night where you have a lot of that deep sleep. You also have to have a lot of that REM sleep, which is goes goes continuously towards the morning. And REM sleep is really important for for life. It's important if you you can't you actually can't live without REM sleep. So much so that if you miss out on your REM sleep, you'll actually it'll intrude into your daytime function. You'll be awake and you'll suddenly feel like you're dreaming, and that's REM sleep coming in because it's so important. We don't fully understand why REM sleep and sleep in general are essential for life, but we do know that in animal studies and in work that's been done by several pioneers, including Dr. Bill DeMent, who a lot of people have have heard about, he recently passed away, and he did a lot of great work in the 60s. We know that if you use animal models, you'll find that after like within a month, all animals will pass away if they don't get enough sleep. So we know it's so important, mm-hmm. and this is why we uh, we make sure we want to make sure we get all these stages of sleep, um, REM and non-REM, and make sure that kids in particular get it to um, the best extent, and it's well-optimized in kids as well as in adults. So tell me, why are sleep disorders so common in children? And is, is this like new news, new research? Or has this been a persistent problem? Sure. So it's been a persistent problem. Um, So the biggest thing that we worry about is when we have our kids coming in saying that they're snoring or their parents say, oh, my child snores every night really loud like a freight truck. That's some of the concerns that we really worry about because we know that when you snore in kids, when you snore and snore loudly, you're probably not getting nice, deep restorative sleep. As I'd mentioned, you know, the, uh, getting that nice REM sleep and deep sleep is really important. And you probably aren't getting enough of that because, you're, because your body keeps having to wake up to breathe. That's what sleep apnea really is. And so those are some of the things that we really try and fix right away. This can occur just from perhaps asthma or just kids with stuffy noses, things like that. But it certainly can be very, very disruptive to sleep. And so that's um, uh, important to keep, keep in mind. There are lots of sleep disorders. This is not new. Sleep disorders aren't becoming more common. We're just kind of focusing on, on it a little bit more because of the fact that uh, we know we're beginning to learn how important sleep is. We're beginning to optimize and make sure that people are optimizing their sleep and making sure that we get it out, uh, get this information out to the public so people are aware and understand how important sleep is. So no, they're not more um, common now. They're just being kind of uh, focused on a little bit more now. Okay. So are pediatricians trained to diagnose sleep disorders? Yes. So that's a really, really important question. It turns out that the average person who finishes medical school and residency gets less than seven hours of training on sleep. It's something that we've never really focused on, as I had mentioned earlier, but we're beginning to understand more and more how important it is to focus on training our pediatricians, internists, family doctors, etc., on sleep and understanding sleep disorders. Um, So yes, pediatricians are not frequently, uh, in general, uh, very vastly knowledgeable about sleep disorders, 
But more and more, I do a lot of teaching young um, up-and-coming doctors, residents, uh, medical students. I really go out of my way to make sure that I understand, uh, that I make sure that they understand how uh, important it is to prioritize sleep, to ensure that the kids are prioritizing sleep, and ensure that in the pediatrician's office, we ask about sleep and ask, how are, is your child sleeping? How much sleep is your child getting? Because we know that if we don't, if children don't sleep enough, which I think in general, you may think, who cares if, 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 if kids don't sleep enough, but it really kind of affects their daytime function. So you'll have kids coming in complaining about attention disorders, ADHD. A lot of them, it turns out, are just not sleeping enough. And that's why they're overactive during the day because they're trying to stay awake. Um, other disorders that we worry about or other problems that we worry about in kids is they're misbehaving in school. They're, they're acting up. They're um, uh, being emotionally labile because we all know if we don't sleep enough, we know that we are irritable, cranky, not responding the way we should. Kids have the same problems as well. And so um, kids with behavioral problems tend to be, oftentimes you have to check their sleep and make sure they're sleeping well. But also kids who aren't uh, learning as well as they should be. They're not keeping up with their class. They're not keeping up with their peers. These are also kids you want to think about whether their sleep is being affected or whether their sleep is optimized. So it sounds like parents have to look beyond beyond the behavior and look at what are the sleep patterns, what are the habits in the household. I know in the house I grew up in, there was bedtime and it was non-negotiable. <laughs> it was very non-negotiable. Um, so looking at those kinds of patterns that have been established in the household, are there other things that parents can do to determine if their kid has a sleep disorder, but then to help um, set up systems to, I don't know, to deal with it or to address it, mitigate it. Absolutely. So I think the thing that we first want to prioritize is to, or to keep in mind, is to, is to keep in mind that sleep is so important. So from the very start, when when baby is still a newborn, we want to make sure that the kid is actually spending a good amount of time sleeping and developing good sleep habits. Developing good sleep habits in infancy sets you up for good sleep habits for life. Prioritizing sleep and recognizing when you're sleepy and actually getting good sleep is so important. And so there's this concept called sleep hygiene, where what we what we really make sure parents and adults are doing is making sure that they get, make sure their kids are sleeping. So that'll include having a bedtime like you talked about, Joanne, but also having a good wake time. So a lot of kids will go to sleep at like 8 p.m., but then they're wide awake at 4 in the morning running all over the house. That's not what we recommend. We want to make sure that we're ensuring that kids are tired out enough that they're going to sleep at, say, 8 and waking up at, say, you know, 7, 6, 7, 8 in the morning. We want to make sure that when when they do go to sleep, they are sleeping in a place that feels safe and is comfortable. Mm. We want to make sure that their their bed is comfortable, pillows are comfortable. We want to make sure that the room is quiet. We want to make sure the room is dark. 
Noise we know can be very, very disruptive to sleep. We know that being in a room that's, you know, with bright lights on is not is, is disruptive for sleep. So we want to make sure we're encouraging that. We want to make sure that that the room is um, cool. A cool room is more ideal than having a hot warm, you know, sweltering room to sleep in. We want to make sure that that um, blanket is comfortable as well and that the kid feels safe in and in in a in a environment that is ideal for being able to put away all worries and cares and be able to fully fall asleep. We know that sleep comes to you when you're not working hard at it. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that our environment is already set up so that just as you as you get into bed, you're falling asleep. Um, a lot of kids, you know, especially kids who are running around and all over the place, we want to make sure that they have a nice bedtime routine, something that sets you up to begin to think about sleep and relax your mind so that you're ready to fall asleep right away. Things that are good to help you fall, help you get ready for sleep and to fall asleep are, you know, turning off the TV and loud, um, um, be it the um, iPad, radio, whatever it is, turn those off, loud music, turn all those off, switch to either quiet music or um, quiet sounds or just you know, quiet completely. We want to think about dimming the lights, not having really light, bright lights on when it's getting, when we're getting ready to go to sleep. Having a routine, kids are very good at having boundaries and routines. So having something, perhaps it's, it's taking a bath or a shower, brushing teeth, um, settling in, putting away toys, um, uh, putting, getting, the, getting their uh, whatever it is, their favorite uh, nighttime blanket or whatever it is out of the, the drawer to get ready for sleep. These are things that kids um, can rely on to be able to get them get ready for sleep. And then getting into bed, be it a you know nice bedtime story or whatever it is, will help kids fall asleep much easier, quicker, and without a lot of uh, objections, shall we say, given the fact that kids can be a little bit um, cheeky sometimes. Having those routines uh, are really important. Getting into bed and staying asleep is really important. The staying asleep part is where we want to think about if a kid can't stay to sleep, stay asleep in spite of all of those nice routine patterns that are that are set up, uh, then we want to think about if there's a sleep disorder going on. And so that's where uh, if you find that you've tried all those things and it's not working, speak to your pediatrician, speak to your um, sleep uh physician and um, try and see if there's some kind of way to get a sleep study or something like that, that will help us figure out if there's something else going on. So what are some of the treatments that you use? Because I'm sure you can't put kids on sleeping pills. Uh So what do you do? So uh, there are several things that we use, just depending on what the sleep disorder is. First of all, the biggest thing, I think, is always making sure you have a routine, making sure there are boundaries so the kid knows that, you know, at midnight is not the time to run around and get your favorite candy out of the out of the cabinet and such. You want to make sure that everyone is kind of in the mindset of sleeping. Those are important behavioral changes, most important. And then, of course, if we diagnose sleep apnea, we want to treat. Usually in kids, it's usually... Usually the breathing problems that occur with sleep tend to be associated with perhaps large tonsils, large adenoids, things like that. And so we want to make sure that those are treated, either it be removed or reduced 
offer with a surgeon, those are the things that we focus on. If it is something like perhaps uh, an insomnia that's truly an insomnia, you can always think about something really mild and natural like melatonin. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could think about something um, easy like chamomile tea that helps kids fall asleep. Of course, you know, you don't want to give this to your babies. You want to give it to uh, (laughs) older, older kids. Uh, Keep that in mind. But yes, those are things that we tend to think about. Um, Kids, you know, in general, uh, there are lots of different you know, sleep disorders, but they're there. We have to kind of tailor treatment for the sleep disorder. So it really depends. If it's narcolepsy, you may end up getting into the medication realm. But um, yeah, it really kind of depends on the specific sleep disorder. So, what advice do you have for those of us who aren't kids, but who are kids at heart and want to improve our sleep hygiene? Sure. So one thing that I think uh, uh, a lot of people don't think about is that they'll, especially now with COVID, the pandemic, we've all developed habits of working from sunrise to sunset. Mm. And many times we don't give ourselves time to relax at the end of the night. We may go straight from our computers straight to bed. And then we think that we're ready for bed and we're actually not. And so the key is to really prioritize time that you're going to use to relax and and get your mind kind of ready for sleep, get your mind ready for relaxation. Perhaps think about stopping work a little earlier than, you know, um, midnight, um, <laughs> something, something more closer to, you know, uh, you know, 6 p.m. or earlier and be able to really kind of give yourself some some hours to wind down. A wind down period is so important. And then make sure that you have a specific routine time that you go to sleep every um, evening and time that you wake up and try and stick to those. Habits are always so important for the brain. Developing good habits really um, can set you up for good deep sleep because your your body and specifically your brain kind of works on a circadian pattern where it's used to, you know, at 10 p.m. we go to sleep, we get into that deep sleep, you know, we get into REM. Whereas if you kind of switch it all over the place, one night you one night you go to sleep at midnight, another night you sleep at 2 a.m., another night you sleep at 9 p.m., the body isn't ready for that. The brain isn't ready for that. And so you will actually probably not be able to get as great of sleep as you could if you stick with a routine. So routines are really the best. Other things that you can do, avoid really heavy meals right before bed, avoid lots of alcohol right before bed, because even though it helps you fall asleep, it actually can fragment your sleep and actually have you waking up early, like, you know, three in the morning, and you'll be wondering why you're wide awake at three in the morning. It's usually due to, you know, alcohol right before bed. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Absolutely. And then other things you want to make sure that, of course, you, you know, put away the iPhone, iPad, all those things and not have all that bright light in your eyes as you go to sleep and also, you know, put those away. If you're someone that wakes up in the middle of the night and checks your phone, put it far, far away so that you don't, um, so that you're not looking at it, uh, so that you're not tempted to look at it as well. Keep those in mind. But yeah, there, um, there's a whole, there, 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 there are lots of books on how to make sure that you prioritize sleep. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm on the board of the National Sleep Foundation, so I would recommend you you go to, you know, the NSF.org to take a look, but there are lots of different ways, places to look at as well to see ways so you can prioritize your sleep. You said NSF.org? The NSF. So www.thensf.org. National Sleep Foundation, NSF. 
Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for coming to share your considerable insights and knowledge on sleep and sleep in children. Thank you. Lots of my listeners I know have children. <laughs> so I think that this will be very, very valuable information. Very valuable. Love. So thank you, Dr. Oyebile Chidi. And I look forward to having you as a guest in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed discussing sleep today. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.